Let's head south now. And Tess Brunton is RNZ's reporter based in Dunedin. Good morning, Tess. Kia ora. All on in your patch, I know, at the moment, including a cruise ship running aground in Doubtful Sound. What's happened here? Yes, so emergency services received a distress call from a popular Fiordland tourist cruise ship after it ran aground last night. Now, that um, the Fiordland Navigator is operated by Real NZ, and it reportedly ran aground near Crooked Arm in Doubtful Sound shortly before 6 o'clock last night. We've heard from the acting chief executive, Paul Norris, in a statement who said there were 57 people or 57 guests on board and 10 crew members. And there was a minor injury checked by medical staff, but we don't know exactly how that um, happened. Um, Mr Norris said the captain notified them and a mayday call was made, which told emergency services to um, that there was distress. Um, he did say that all the guests did return to Tiano safely and sound, um, and we're expecting an update later today to find out how this happened, whether there's any ongoing impact to the environment, as well as how the injury occurred. Goodness, I think it's fairly rare. I can't think of another. Uh, but that's a, a really interesting story, and I'm sure there will be an investigation uh, into the consequences. Let's get an update on Queenstown's water woes to start the year, Tess. I know, it does feel like another year, another Queenstown water woes, which is, it's been an unfortunate run for the resort town. So last year, of course, cryptosporidium. You've also had concerns about wastewater going into a popular swimming spot. And last week, we found out that there was an estimated 420,000 litres of partially treated human effluent that spilled into a Queenstown swamp from the shot of a wastewater treatment plant. Now, just to put it in perspective, an Olympic-sized swimming pool usually contains about 2,500,000 litres. Now, that wastewater happened um, to spill into the natural swamp after going over the top of an oxidation pond. Um, now, the council has said that what was in the pond has typically been through about 80% of the normal treatment process. So it is fairly well treated, but they're still trying to work out why and how this occurred. The, the council has sort of suggested that heavy rain and a control system issue are sort of likely um, culprits, but uh, we're still finding out from the council about exactly what happened. But they do remain confident. This is sort of what they really want to um, put forward is that it was fully contained within the swamp. There was none that entered the nearby Shotover River and they were able to uh, clean and sanitise part of the road that was affected and that the swamp has soaked up the spill without any further action needed. It does throw the spotlight back again, though, doesn't it? Just on the stresses across the whole system, the state of the whole system, it can't not. It really does. And it's sort of, I think it's just been a bit of a reminder for, for councils, not just Queenstown, that this is a kind of um, issue that the councils are quite concerned about as we have those conversations about how water infrastructure is going to be managed going forward. So I think that's really an important discussion for a lot of councils and they're really keen to see what the new government is going to do about it. Now, 40 years since the historic Southland flood, so before you were born, I'm guessing, well and truly, um, Tess, just remind us of the significance of this and why there's an, an anniversary. Okay, so 
I'll paint a bit of a picture. This this was back in 1984, so 40 years this week, and it forced thousands of people to leave their homes. It made more than 1,200 homes unlivable, and it also killed more than 12,000 stock animals. You're talking about Invercargill being cut off by land and some residents having to wait more than a week before they could go back home because the floodwaters were so high. Now, this state of emergency lasted weeks. It ended in late February and there was about $55 million paid out in insurance claims. And Environment Southland, um, the Southland's regional council, has said that it was basically a catalyst for more extensive flood protection upgrades and maintenance, but it's really also put a bit of a spotlight on the need for more funding um, right now and into the future. Some of the network is at least 30 years old and it's coming under increasing pressure from more frequent and intense weather. I mean, last September, we had flooding that I covered um, around Gore and other parts of Southland and uh, Chairman, so Environment Southland Chairman um, Nicol Horrell said that it's just another reminder of how important it is to maintain and invest in that network and there has been work underway but it's just it's not a cheap exercise and um, they're going through and putting it into their long-term plan which um, residents can have a look at in the next couple of months that it goes out for consultation. I'm looking at some of the images of this now. There was a, a special edition put out by the Southland Times in January 1984. You know, January, the middle of summer, right? Uh, and there's a phenomenal aerial shot of, of the scope and scale of this. It, it, really, it really was a shocker. Um, and so, you know, beyond, the, beyond the, the recognition or the reminding of um, what was, um, w- what else is sort of attached to this? Is, is it simply being used as um, more sort of grist to the mill, I guess, on, on, on where central and, and local government need to spend? Um, you know, it's, it's. I'm just. I'm quite in awe of looking looking at these images right yeah. now. It is astounding just the amount of water that was flowing through, and I think the council is really using this as also just trying to make sure that people are, are both reminded of what happened, but also that we are expecting there will be more heavy rain, um, more extreme weather um, as climate change continues. So I think they've really, I mean, I was over on the West Coast last week with the red heavy rain warning. So I think there's just a lot of awareness of the the challenges that this particular region faces yeah. and the need to make sure that it's actually got protections. Um, it was only uh, in 2020 that Matoda had widespread right. flooding and it and was also concerned about um, potenti- potentially toxic material from a um, paper mill um, going through the and getting water. So I think there's just so much awareness on the issues and the risks of water um, or of flooding. And I think there's a lot of interest in making sure that the community looks at this long-term plan, looks at what the council is planning to do with you know, with its money, how it's planning to protect its residents and um, making sure that they have their say. So I think that's been sort of the, one of the, the main sort of takeaways that they're really keen for people to, to be thinking about. And that's meant to only come out in the next couple of months. So really keen for people to be engaging on that. 
Let's finish with some good news, although I did make the observation earlier, is there any such um, thing as privacy anymore? Um, the, <laughs> you can't even hatch without the whole world watching if you're an albatross. No, no, especially not the Royal Cam chick. So this is a Northern Royal Albatross chick. It's uh, been on display, had hundreds of thousands of viewers that watched it hatch on the Otago Peninsula. Now this has been going on for about nine years where Toroa pair is live streamed as they go from nesting to fledging in the Albatross colony. And the Department of Conservation said that the chick hatched healthy on Tuesday, weighing uh, about 300 grams. Now, it didn't hatch in the nest. That's not how they are done in the colony. They get um, hatched in incubators to prevent fly strike before being returned to the nest. But rangers are looking forward to a, a pretty busy season. Um, although there are some challenges with flies and hot, dry conditions as well. Yeah, but definitely no rats, one hopes. That's happening in the local supermarket instead. I know. You could do without it. Okay, (laughs) finish with this one. Okay, so the Otago Daily Times reported this this morning, that supermarkets say that um, there are rats running rampant uh, in a major Dunedin supermarket and fear that the public have been sold contaminated food. Now, uh, that anonymous uh, staff member said that the rats were detected just a few of them in October, but they've since multiplied and the supermarket is now infested and there's not enough being done to eliminate them. We've heard from the Ministry for Primary Industries which says that they're investigating the matter at the Dunedin South Countdown on Anson's Bay Road. And Woolworths New Zealand has also acknowledged that there is an increased uh, pest activity, but they've got a comprehensive management plan in place and they're really confident about the measures they're taking um, are being effective. And this came from an anonymous tip, according to the Times. Yes, yes. Mm. And so there is further work that's um, underway. We have had... Um, or. The ODT had confirmation from Woolworths New Zealand that there is um, pests um, that are an issue, but that work is underway and there is a Ministry of Primary Investigation investigation, um, in, uh, sorry, Industries, Primary Industries investigating the matter as well. Eek, as they say. Yes. It's more a mouse than a rat. Um, Just back to the albatross. I think my favourite, I have done a little bit of albatross uh, stalking, I must admit, in my times. Um, my favourite was the one where the parent crash landed, which apparently is quite common, <laughs> but the chick was sitting on the nest. But it was the way the chick just sort of looked away as if to say, oh my God, I can't see you. <laughs> just, it was just like, it was the best kind of parent-child interaction of, you know, that's like a dad joke kind of response. It was... Um, It was glorious. It is a wonderful initiative and exciting to have another one. Safely born. Thanks so much, Tess. No worries. Tess Brunton is RNZ's reporter based in Dunedin.